Alright guys, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Psalms chapter 51. If this is the first time you've been with us in a while, or you're new, or you um, have short-term memory loss from one week to the other, we have been going through uh, Christian Basics, and in looking at Christian Basics, we have been discussing different things like we can believe the Bible is the Word of God. We have looked at things such as um, what happens when a Christian sins tonight. We've been looking at different basics of the Christian faith, the assurance of salvation. And so tonight, kind of building upon the once saved, if saved, always saved, some of these things we've been talking about. Tonight, we're going to look at what happens when a Christian sins. And this, if you watch the video um, or the podcast, I don't remember which one I talked about it on. Um, but basically, this is something that applies to all of us that are believers. Every Christian is going to do what? Sin. Sin. It's inevitable. And so how does that affect us? And if we, if we can't lose our salvation, and we know that we are eternally secure if we have truly been saved, what happens when a Christian sins? If we can't lose our salvation, does that mean we have nothing to lose when we sin? Can we go on sinning with no consequences? I'll give an example here briefly. There was a story of like this prize boxer. He was, you know, we might think of him like Muhammad Ali, but before his time. And he loved to fight. And the boxer became a believer. And when he became a believer, he decided to start doing what we call street preaching. He'd stand on the corner of the street and he would preach and share the gospel with people. And while he's doing this, this atheist comes up and starts, you know, you can't believe the Bible. You can't believe this. And starts kind of arguing with him, having a debate. And the boxer looks at him and says, how about this? If, if, if I can prove to you that even one verse in the Bible is true, will you leave me alone? And maybe even let me talk to you about Christ. And the atheist looks at him and says, yeah. And so the boxer sits there and thinks for a second about a, a verse and he looks at him and he grabs hold of his nose and he starts twisting it. And I don't remember the exact verse he used, but there's a verse in the Bible that says, just as the twisting of the nose produces blood, so does something else. And he sat there and he quoted that to him and he said, see, the Bible is true. <laughs> and just as we know the busting of the nose or a twisting of a nose produces blood, We also know that sin precedes suffering. So what we see is this. If a person is bound to sin, if a person is going to continually sin, he is also bound to suffer. He will not lose his salvation, but suffering always follows sin just as night always follows day. And so here in Psalms chapter 51... We are looking at a man named David writing out this psalm to God after he had committed adultery. And so if you have your Bible and you open up to Psalms chapter 51, I'll begin reading in verse chapter 1. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions 
and my sin is ever before me. Against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me your blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, my mouth will declare your praises. For I would not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good in Zion, your good in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you so much, God, just the blessing it is to gather with a body tonight. God, I pray for the students. God, I thank you for bringing them here tonight as we study your word. God, as we look at a man, God, a man who is broken over his sin. And Lord, I pray that we too will be broken over our sin. God, that it will trouble us. God, I pray tonight, God, if someone here does not know you, God, let tonight be the night of their salvation. Let them come to know you as Lord and Lord and King of Kings. And God, I pray for those of us in here that do confess you. Lord, I pray tonight as we study this text, God, as we look at what happens when a Christian sins. Lord, I pray that you will open up our eyes to see, God, how serious of a matter this is. God, let us see God, the consequences of our sin, that God, we cannot continue to sin because grace abounds. So Lord, I pray for you to be with us. God, I pray for you to guide our time here tonight. And Lord, I pray for you to open hearts tonight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Psalm chapter 51 is an extraordinarily deep. It is a great um, eight, 19 verses in the Psalms of a man um, lamenting or repenting to God. And so consequences of sin in the life of a Christian. The first thing you will see here is sin dirties the soul. Sin dirties the soul. Now David is king. Okay, so when I say David, who am I talking about? King? King David. King David, okay? He has money on top of money on top of money on top of money. He can have anything he wants in the world, okay? He has the nicest clothes. He has designer everything. He is the king of Israel. And what does he say? 
God wash me. Cleanse me from my sins. If we sin, we know that we are dirty. And I give, when I think about this, that cleansing and sin dirties us, I cannot help but to think about my life. And I don't know how many of y'all, when you were uh, children or younger, elementary school and down, liked to play, girls maybe not, guys were different. We like to play in mud. Okay? Girls do that too. Yeah. So well, that's good to know. I'm glad y'all got dirty. Okay? So in South Alabama, growing up, we had what we called a ditch, okay? That when it rained, when it rained, this ditch would become full and it would become a creek, okay? And so when it rained, me and my best friend in my neighborhood would get out and we would play in the ditch. And we would build dams and we'd build bridges and we would play and do all sorts of stuff and move this dirt over to this place. And when I'd get done in the afternoon from playing in the rain and playing in this ditch that was disgusting, I would come home, and I don't know how many of y'all have had this experience, I would come home and I would open the front door and my mom would scream out what? Get out. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Sit out there right now. I'm going to come hose you off. So my mom would come outside or my dad, whichever one was given that great pleasure, and they would hose me off with the water hose. And then I'd have to go in and get a bath. <coughs> well, th this trend continued. When I was in middle school, we had what we call a creek. And I will say this. It's, a creek in South Alabama is different than a creek in North Carolina. Our creeks are like the rivers you have here. Okay? They're bigger. They're not like a little thing you can jump across. These, you can swim in them. Uh, the water's going to be a lot warmer than it is here. And um, the only time it actually gets cold is in January, but the water's still a lot warmer there than it is here, even in July. Um, but I'd go play in it, and we'd play all day, swim. We had beaches, and we'd build little forts on the beaches like we were in World War II. And I'd come home, and what would my mom do when I tried to come in? Get out. She'd hose me off again, and I'd have to go in and get a shower every time. By the time I got in eighth or ninth grade, I didn't like to get dirty. I went through this sudden change that, that will happen with you at some point in life to where you really hate to get hot and sweaty. And if you get hot and sweaty, you want to go get a shower. And so even today, there are many days that I might take two, maybe even three showers in a day because I hate to get dirty. I realize what that is. And I dislike it. And the same is true for us as a believer. Before we come to know Christ, we don't feel dirty when we sin. It's just normal. But when you come to know Christ and you sin, there becomes something in you in that act of sin that feels dirty. It doesn't feel right. You feel like you need to go get cleaned off from it. And so sin dirties us. Not only does sin dirty us, sin also dominates the mind. Sin dominates the mind. Notice what he says in verse 3. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is what? Ever before me. My sin is always before me. This sin was always in front of him. He thought of it day and night, and night and day. It was always before him. It never left his mind. 
And so a test to see if you are truly a child of God is when you sin, can you just forget about it? Can you? Can you just continue doing this sin and it never come back into your mind and you just forget it? No, you know, I, I forgot I did that. A child of God never forgets a sin. It's something that hits him in the face every day, every moment. It can be triggered at an instant. And that sin comes right back to your mind and you remember, oh yeah, I've done that. It dominates our mind as David sits here and says, it's always before me. Day in and day out, he always is dwelling on his sin. He does not forget it. So sin dirties the soul. Sin dominates the mind. And the third thing sin does is it disgraces the Lord. When you think about it, you might say of David, he committed adultery. He sinned against his own body. He certainly committed a sin against his wife. And not only that, he, he sinned against his children, his family. He sinned against the nation because he was the king. But none of these are mentioned here. I'm going to take this up just to back it up a moment. How many of y'all know of David and Bathsheba? Remember the story? Backing it up just a little bit for you. Some of you might know. So David was king. David could have anything he wanted. His, huh? Good. You're going to explain it anyways. David's king could have anything he wanted. He's supposed to actually be going off to war, leading his army to the front lines. David does what some of us do. Sleeps in a little bit. Oh, man, I forgot my alarm clock didn't go off at the time it was supposed to go off at. And David gets up. He's stretching. He looks out his window and sees this woman on top of her house taking a bath named Bathsheba. And he wants her. And so he ends up calling her to his house and they commit adultery. And in the process, she ends up becoming pregnant. pregnant and he does what to her husband? Kills him. Gets him killed. And so you can think all of this stuff that has happened to this man who is supposed to be a man after God's own heart, he deserves it. You know, he, he, he this, this, you are definitely a sinner. But he doesn't mention any of these things. He doesn't mention his sin towards his family. He doesn't mention his sin towards his wife or his kids or towards the nation. Who does he mention that he sinned against? God. Do we get that? He says, to you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Verse 4. See, when we become a follower of Christ, we realize that sin not only dirties our soul, it not only dominates our mind, it disgraces the Lord. Our sin affects us, but the sins that we commit are an attack on who? God. We are wronging Him. If we cheat on a test, yes, to a degree, we are wronging our parents or wronging the teacher or whatever it is. But ultimately, if we sin, it is an attack on God. It is an attack on who he is. He hates sin, and yet we continue to do it. Our sin attacks God, and it is a disgrace to him. An unsaved man sometimes feel bad, feels bad for his sin. He sometimes feels bad when he sins and it hurts somebody else. A saved man feels bad because he knows it's an attack on God. 
So sin dirties the soul. Sin dominates the mind. Sin disgraces the Lord. Sin also depresses the heart. If we go down to verse 8, it says, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Going down to verse 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. A wise man once said, The most miserable person on earth is not a lost person. It's a saved person who's out of fellowship with God. Sin depresses us. You're no longer excited about life. When you think about it, our sin, it weighs heavy upon us. We can feel the yoke of sin bearing down and burdening us. And we become depressed. We're no longer excited about going and talking and hanging out with our friends. Sin, we're not excited about when it comes to church. We actually dread it. It depresses our heart. We don't sing songs of praise to the king because we are depressed and we don't really feel like singing. We don't share the gospel with people because it reminds us of that sin that is always before us, that we haven't confessed it. So who am I to talk to this person about that? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But it depresses our heart. You might complain all the time. You're never happy. You're always sad. Sin depresses us. It weighs us down. It might even take us to dark places in life. So sin dirties us. Sin dominates the mind. It's always before us. Sin disgraces the Lord. Sin depresses our heart. And number five, sin destroys your testimony. Do you know why people don't sing during worship services? Some of y'all probably haven't noticed that you, you are sitting in the back so you don't see anybody's faces. Sit in the front and you kind of look to the side and see. Or even if you're in the choir or you're playing the piano and you kind of look out to the crowd and you go, wow, we have 250 people here this morning. About 15 of them are singing. Amen. <laughs> Do you know why people don't sing in worship service? They're not filled with the Spirit. They're just filled with sin. Remember how we talked about sin depresses the heart? Sometimes we're just not in the mood to sing. We don't have anything to sing about. We're not excited about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because sin has dominated our life and it has further driven a wedge between us and God because we're living in unrepentant sin. And so we don't have anything to sing about. We don't feel the presence of God in our lives. They have lost the song. And they've lost their testimony. And so I ask you, how many of you have been here before? How many of you have been in, you don't have to raise your hands. How many of you have been in a place when you have come into the church, when you have come into a worship service, and you just don't feel like singing? I'm going to be honest with you guys, I've been there. I remember going into a church, and we're sitting there, and they're singing and I've got what they call the sour face on. And I couldn't sing. And I sat there and realized why. Did I not want to sing? I mean, it might not be my style of music, maybe. I really don't remember what kind of music was being played. 
But what it was was sin had so dominated my life and sin was before me and it dirtied my soul and I knew it was a disgrace to the Lord and it had depressed my heart that I didn't have a song. I didn't have anything to sing to God. I could not sing as an act of worship to Him because I knew that I was at war with Him within. That my sin had separated me. That I didn't desire to sing songs to Him. So guys, when we come to that point, if you've been in that point, that is an indication if you are a child of God that you need to repent and get right with Him. Not only does sin destroy our testimony in that way, sin also destroys our testimony in another way. I'll give you an example. I'll pick on Carter for a second because he killed an eight-point deer today. Let's say that Carter decides to be dumb one night and he gets somebody pregnant. Okay? Carter, we know he goes to First Baptist Church Cross North, part of Valley Students. He goes to all the club meetings and you know he's a good guy, loves everybody, good Christian guy. He tells everybody about Christ and news gets out that that happens. How many people are going to listen to you? None. I'm going to say, I don't want nothing to do with that. It's a fake. It's a joke. Sin destroys our testimony. If we know that as a child of God, we were created to worship the King and praise Him, a many example to a lost and dying world around us, and yet we go on sinning and people know that we are living in sin, how many people are going to want anything to do with you? What does that say about the king that you worship? You give him lip service, but he doesn't have your heart. So guys, sin will destroy your testimony when it comes to us singing praise to him. But sin will ruin our testimony before, before our fellow students, before our co-workers, before our family. If they see us fall, they will want nothing to do with this gospel. So it is very important that we live a holy life. A life that is above and a life that is different than everybody else. And though it might be hard, and though it might not be enjoyable, it might not be the most fun, and it might not have the most exciting thing in life, but ultimately, who is sending an attack against? Who? God. The Bible says, Do not fear man who is only able to hurt the body, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the body and the soul in hell. We are not to fear man. I saw my life first, Galatians 1.10. For my seeking the favor of man or of God. For if I was seeking the favor of man, I would not be a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, we are called to live a life of worship to the King. Sin is contrary to that. So I'll close in this. Can you sin? Can you sin? Yes. But can a Christian sin and not suffer?